Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss, it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't already, you can still take part in our survey. It's a listener analysis, so it's all about what your opinions are on the podcast. And it's important research that hopefully we will be able to um, feed back to you guys again and to be able to give you the results. So if you haven't had a chance, then you can find the link to the survey on our homepage. Um, It's also available on our social media. So you can get that on Instagram, uh, conversations.equinescience, Facebook, conversations in equine science, or if you follow myself or Nancy on LinkedIn or on Twitter, we've also shared the links there. Today, Kate and I are going to talk about the horse um, welfare that's taking place right now in the Ukraine. And there are a lot of efforts uh, being done. Um, The equestrian community is rallying uh, to help owners of horses in the Ukraine as the situation worsens every day, it seems to get worse. There are warnings that stables have run desperately low of feed and haylage. And the Ukrainian Equestrian Federation, UEF, um, has made a charity foundation. And they've now made it possible for those in the UK to buy feed from certain retailers that can be sent to an address in Poland um, from which it will be taken to those stables that are still up and running in the Ukraine. Now, there's been a lot of horses um you know, being hauled to the border, but there's not a lot of horse trailers available. Um, They're trying the best they can to keep these horses going. And they even have a map out of where they need trailers to go to be able to get some horses out. There's a lot of requests for trailering from Kiev, um, the capital, before it is eventually attacked or whatever. I heard today that there was a, uh, the Russian tanks were, um, the Ukraine attacked uh, the line of tanks. So that's deterred them quite a bit from the capital. But what happened yesterday in, is it Maripol? Yeah. Um, Down in the south, um, Luckily, a lot of those horses have been transported out. Um, I do know there are two racetracks in the Ukraine, one near Kiev, one near Odessa. So I'm going to kind of give a little report and update on that. And meanwhile, um, I'll let you jump in, Kate. So there are more than 100,000 horses in Ukraine, and many of these horses have no possibility to flee, aren't able to seek safety. Some have no shelter and no care. Um, Unfortunately, some owners are left with the option of, their only option is to set their horses free because they themselves are needing to try to escape. So 
the humanitarian effort is obviously another um, equation entirely to this. And in times of war, the humanitarian effort is obviously at the forefront. So Nancy and I are just going to focus specifically on the equine um, today and just talk about ways we can maybe try and help. But there are a lot of horses that will be affected by this and a lot of people that will feel that they can't leave because they're not going to want to leave their pets or their horses behind. Um, many countries have lifted the need for papers when you cross the border, but getting to the borders is obviously a massive issue. So even if you contemplate, like Nancy will talk about the racehorses, but racehorses, you know, they're, they're more sensitive creatures and it's negative zero degrees in parts of Ukraine at the moment, um, Celsius. So that is really cold. And even that option of just setting a, a thoroughbred free in those temperatures, I mean, it's it's just not possible for a lot of people. So that leaves them having to travel long distances to try and get to the horses every day and trying to feed them. But supplies are running so slow that it is a matter of days and even, you know, 24 to 48 hours for some um, stables before they're going to completely run out of hay. So efforts like this where we can try and discuss it and open the conversation and see ways that we can donate are really invaluable in these kinds of scenarios. Yeah, um, I've reached out to the Thoroughbred Daily News and um, they did have an article about Olga Bondar and she's a trainer and a driver. And then she's also the vice director of the Kiev Hippodrome. And, um, you know, standard bread and trotters are the main um, racing entities in Ukraine. But the Odessa racetrack also has thoroughbred racing plus the trotters. So it's, she had told Thoroughbred Daily News that she makes trip each day from her home in central Kiev to the race course outside the city to care for and feed her horses. She knows the dangers involved, but she can't abandon her horses. She has no plans to leave the country, even though it's under siege and you can tell the Russian army is getting closer to the capital. But, um, she said, when I come here, I don't know if I will make it home because anything can happen in war. You don't know if you'll be alive tomorrow. So, you know, that's the stress they're under. And Odessa's another city that will be under siege because it's a port city. So they would like to have control of that. And... Um, you know, it hold. that's the track that has trotters and thoroughbreds. And, you know, they should be open and racing now. They've been closed since the um, invasion started. And according to Radio Free Europe, the Odessa track was built in 1890 by Russian czars. And uh, the track has fallen on hard times after the fall of the Soviet Union. But... Um, their opening day in 2021 
uh, really had high attendance and they thought the track was starting to make a comeback and, and become doable again. The problem is that the Kiev track, as well as the Odessa track, when you're running and racing these horses, you might only win 10 or $15 a race. Mm-hmm. Compare that with American racing. I mean, some of our purses are over a million dollars, you know, so um, they've really had a rough time with their equestrian sports and um, they managed to survive. So that's kind of an, um, a backdrop to the tenacity of these Ukraine people and they're not giving up. And they have created the Ukrainian Equestrian Federation Charity Foundation. Um, and since the creation of this foundation, over 250 people and organizations throughout Europe, the US and Canada have offered assistance to try and help with the horses that are in Ukraine at the moment. But evacuating horses is a very difficult thing. And it is dangerous to travel with horses. You know, it does pose a higher risk as it is even on a good day with good weather, traveling a horse that's used to being in a horse box, there is risks. But in these scenarios where the horses can easily spook, you know, the weather um, conditions aren't as good. It is a lot more um, worrisome to try and get to that point. So the focus is on the moment, at the moment, providing that aid to the horses that are within the country. And, um, this Ukrainian Equestrian uh, Charity Foundation are hoping to try and set up a shelter that is within Ukraine, but is beyond where the military action currently is. So almost like um, a temporary measure to at least get the horses so far from where there is warfare and then plan from there how they can get them out of the country from that point. But this is changing daily, as many people are aware, and there's constant updates to it. So even at the time that this article was written, and I think this was just a couple of days ago, it said that um, many stables had less than a week's worth of feed. And then an updated article I read was saying that there's only a couple of days left. So it's um, evolving rapidly. And... I think it's just, it's so devastating in so many different ways. But even when we think of horses, they've been used in war in the past. And, you know, horses have always played a pivotal role in that sense as well. But in this case, um, certainly there's some high high standard horses, I guess you could say, or um, stallions that have been involved too. And I think you had an update Nancy, about two German stallions that were in Ukraine. Yep, the two, um, there were two stallions that Germany had sent to um, the Ukraine. And they were actually, one of them were, was targeted to be shipped back on February 24th while the invasion started February 23rd. So they were trapped. Um, they could not or anything in the one stallion was Cornet Abolinsky, and then the second one that was due to come back to Germany was uh, 
Kame to Fout Five, and it's apparently a very popular horse. It had won gold in the Olympics and all that. Standing at Coronet of Belinsky's longtime home base, which is in Hashkov Stud Farm in Hashkov, Ukraine, about 95 uh, miles away from. So uh, anyway, um, the cornet is uh, 23 year old, and then the um, oh the other one is 17 year old. So anyway, they both made it through um, to the border a couple days ago, and now. Uh, this morning, we got word that they both entered Poland. Now, the interesting thing about this is that these horses normally would have to go through, um, you know, proper paperwork and all that to be able to cross over. But um, for right now, uh, they're just letting the animals go through, even though they don't have paperwork. Now, some of the uh, border towns in Poland and in other areas are requiring 10 days of quarantine. But this kind of goes along with that one health issue that we did is that, you know, the one thing is because of these disasters that happen in these conflicts, it's so much easier if the horses are up to date on their vaccines and their worming. And, um, you know, all that is uh, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed because they don't know what may be coming across the border that might infect their livestock. But at this point, they're not even worried about that. They're just getting the animals to safety and in some of these countries as well they're setting up um, the quarantine stations so as nancy said the priority is to get them over the border and then you know they're they need housing once they get over the border anyway because that's almost like the secondary thought so having 10 days of quarantine i'm sure to a lot of owners is actually a relief because that's somewhere for them to be housed for 10 days while further plans are then made about where these horses can go. Because, I mean, they're going to have to, I suppose, be taken in in different stables or different livery yards across Europe in lots of different countries. And there's so many horses and people that will be displaced from this. You know, it's the immediate countries that are on the borders are doing everything they can, but we have to support people and um, their animals coming right across Europe. And I think a lot of people forget that, you know, they you hear people saying, oh, but why would they travel the whole way to this country or the whole way to that country? But there's so many people in the Ukraine, like it's a massive country. So yeah. it is, it's going to have a, um, a big effect. Like the, a lot of those people are going to need to seek refuge right across Europe. I had no idea. I read one article that said the Ukraine was the largest country in Europe. In comparison, like I think it's like five million people in Ireland. It's maybe maybe it's based on population because they did say forty million people. And I thought, man, that that is um I I think probably in the US there's three hundred million people and look how big we are yeah. as far as a mask goes. So that's a lot of people. 
in a concentrated area. But anyway, um, I wanted to tell people, I did go to the, um, the Polish site that uh, taking the donations, it's called the Linza Wola Equestrian Club. And I could not get it to take U.S. dollars or I could not even get it to accept my zip code here in the States. So if you're in the States and you want to give, you can go to the World Horse Welfare and they will connect you to um, the British Equestrians for Ukraine Fund. And they'll take as little as a 10 pound donation. We'll convert it to U.S. dollars. So, and one thing I liked about this, it takes Visa, MasterCard, or PayPal, and they will make sure they buy haylage, grain, whatever the horses need, um, whether they're still in the Ukraine or whether they are at the border. So um, it's at World Horse Welfare, and if you just look for British Equestrians for Ukraine Fund, you will find that ability to donate if, if you want to donate. And make sure that you are donating to a reputable source. So somewhere like the World Horse Welfare um, has a strong reputation and has legitimate donations set up because unfortunately during times like this, um, it, you do have people that will try and take advantage of situations and take donations or even hack accounts. So it's really important, go to the World Horse Welfare, um, the British Equestrian Federation, Ukrainian Equestrian Federation, and just make sure you're going to, you know, kind of the hub of where you can get that information and make sure that money is getting directly to Ukraine. Yeah, I, I did um, look into it. There's some individuals here in the States um, collecting donations, but you know, um, they may have good intentions and, and all that, but um, it always, you know, you feel better about giving to a larger entity that has shown a good track record of being able to manage the donations and get them to where they need to go. And so I, I looked at World Horse Welfare and uh, we know how they are when it comes to providing welfare to horses. So um, anyway, uh, you can uh, Google it and uh, just be careful where you give. And, um, you know, we just wanted to do an update. We did have a research paper on this and the name of it was, it was part of a law book that just came out in 2020 and it's in, on global animal law and it was challenges regarding the protection of animals during warfare. Now, the whole thing was is, um, you know, there's rules on the protection of civilians and um, environment, but as far as animal welfare, there's not a whole lot that can really be said that it's a law. And in this situation, the human part of it isn't even being upheld. So um, I we wanted to do a little um, episode on what's really going on with the animals, especially the horses and um, how people are responding to that. 
And if you can donate even the smallest amount, it will go a long way. Um, so please, please do if you can. And I think that was all I had on this, Nancy. Had yep. you anything else? That's all I had. And um, I did get a few emails that people tried to take the survey and it was closed. So um, for those of you that that happened to, we've reopened it. And oh. if you can, please do try and take yeah. the survey. Okay. Um, we'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Nancy. Thanks, Kate. See you next week. Bye-bye. Take care.